Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again for another week on the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to go through a Facebook post that was sent to me that I thought was very interesting that just illustrates one of the many, many problems that we are having in Bible prophecy today, and that is people's debunking of the Scripture or overruling of the Scripture with Clarence Larkin's dispensational truth. And I, folks, we are I don't believe I'm straw manning when I say that, but whenever the scriptures fail to say what people need them to say, they always will refer to theologians, other books to straighten everyone out to make sure you follow what they are telling you. Cuz obviously the scriptures aren't saying it. And so they do. They have these other sources. They have their charts. And so on this Facebook post, I'm going to read you the post in its entirety. I'll show you the, it it, uh, puts Clarence Larkin's chart on there. And then we are going to go through there and I'm going to, and we'll see, we'll see what they are saying. And then we will see what the scriptures actually say. And then uh, you can make a choice. If your authority is Clarence Larkin, then you need to go with this fella. If your authority is the scriptures, then you need to go with the scriptures because they are saying some very different things. And I don't know who this individual is. I've seen people share his articles quite a few times. Uh, I've heard Bill Grady refer to this guy. So I'm assuming he's probably Ruckmanite. I don't know that. Don't really know anything about him. Uh, he's got buckwheat from the Little Rascals as his profile picture. But it's James L. Melton. And he has an article here called The First Resurrection. And it says the first resurrection comes from the book of Revelation. It is found in Revelation 20, 5 and 6. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. As you can see, the term is used in contrast to the term the second death, which is the white throne judgment. I believe the first resurrection includes tribulation saints, as Revelation 20 verse 4 and Revelation 7:14 indicates. But it also includes two other groups, the saints that arose in Matthew 27, 52 and 53, and the rapture of the church itself, 1 Thessalonians 4:16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. This means that the first resurrection has three parts. 1 Corinthians 15.23 points out two parts, but every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. Then we learn later from Paul's writings and from Revelation that they that are Christ that is coming comprise two groups, church saints and tribulation saints. This makes a total of three groups to take part in the first resurrection. Clarence Larkin well described this with the Old Testament agricultural order of the first fruits, the main harvest, the final gleanings. The order would be as follows. First fruits, first coming, Matthew 27, 52 and 53. Harvest, pre-tribulation rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. Gleanings, tribulation saints, Revelation 7, 14 and 24. To claim that only the tribulation saints take part in the first resurrection is a mistake. Because that would mean that the first resurrection isn't really the first resurrection. 
since it is preceded by two others, namely the rapture of the church and the saints of Matthew 27. The only way to reconcile all of this is to stick with Larkin's described order and understand the first resurrection as a three-part event in contrast uh, to the second death and not as a single tribulation event. And then there you see Larkin's charts right there, uh, given proof since he obviously didn't give a good biblical explanation. Let's show you Clarence Larkin's charts and look how fancy these things are. And obviously this guy can't be wrong. And so uh, let's go through uh, what the things he said. Let's look up the scriptures that he referred to. And I love when people at least use the scripture references. Uh, I think they do this hoping you're not going to look them up because often, you know, people are required to use scriptures if they're talking to Bible believers. But what's funny is if you actually will go to those scriptures, typically they'll hang themselves with their own references they leave. And so we're going to, uh, I'm not going to go somewhere else to debunk him. I'm going to go to the scriptures that he used to debunk what he claimed in his article that was just clearly, clearly dead wrong without a doubt. So first off, he mentions the first resurrection that comes from Revelation 25 and 6. And I agree. Now let's go ahead and go to Revelation chapter 20. And let's read a couple of verses before because I think this is important to um, first off show the problems this creates. Okay, they've got to they've got to do the things that they've got to do to defend that pre-tribulation rapture of the church. But those of us who just believe in a pre-wrath rapture, we don't have. There's no problems. There is no problems for us in this at all. We don't have to go to charts. We don't have to add anything to the scriptures. We can use that. We don't have to claim that our resurrection is not the first resurrection. Okay? And just understand, he told you that it's broken up into three parts like this. And I do believe in the resurrection, there is sections. And we'll, and we'll talk about that. But let's first, let's go to Revelation chapter 20. And, in verse, and we'll start reading in verse 20. Uh, one, it says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. So we have the reference to the millennium there. But then he says, and I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. In judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So it's obviously here that we are before the thousand years because those who he sees who are ones who did not take the mark and were killed for it, and they live and reign with Christ. A thousand years. but And that's in contrast to the rest of the dead. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be 
priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So right there we see that those who do not take the mark of the beast, that the uh, those who were killed for their faith, that they live and reign with Christ a thousand years and they participate in the first resurrection. The first resurrection. So um, that creates problems. Okay. Now I submit to you that the first resurrection is the resurrection that we see in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I believe it's the same resurrection. But they run on, they want to tell you, no, not really. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if it's not, then this isn't the first resurrection. Because our resurrection comes before the tribulation saints' resurrection. So it's not really the first resurrection. No, it's still the first resurrection. It's just done in parts. And so they get creative with a passage from 1 Corinthians 15 that kind of gives them like a proof text so they can break it up into parts. But I'm going to show you how dishonest this is, what they're doing. And it, it is, it's very obvious. And they debunk themselves. He debunks himself with the, uh, with some of the scripture references that he give, gives. And so we're only going to, uh, I'm going to try to only go to scriptures that he uses in this article, even though we could go to other places, just because I want to show you how this doctrine, it debunks itself. And so uh, after he mentions the first resurrection, he gives the scripture and he says, as you can see, the term is used in contrast to the term, the second death, which is the white throne judgment. I believe, I'm glad he was on us to, to say, I believe, not this is what the scripture says. No, I believe you're allowed to have an opinion. You're allowed to have a theory, but understand he's about to give you a theory based on the assumption that he is right about the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Okay, And that's where he goes wrong. So again, there are things about prophecy that I believe based on me being right about certain things that I could be right on. The scripture or what I'm saying is not explicitly stated in scripture, but if I'm right about these other things, then this would be a logical conclusion to that. And so if he is, if he's right, that there is such a thing as a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, then you would have to break up the resurrection into these parts like this. But his assumption is wrong. Okay? And so we're going to show you how his thinking debunks itself in here. So uh, he points out in contrast, the Great White Throne, I believe the first resurrection includes tribulation saints as Revelation 20 verse 4 and Revelation 7 14 indicate. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14 and let's see what that says. Because I believe Revelation 7.14 is a, a reference to our resurrection. And so look what it says. Uh, this is where we have, and, and you're probably familiar with this passage. But in heaven, we ha it says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with robes and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And uh, we'll jump down to verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And let's keep reading. 
Therefore are they before the throne of God and shall serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger and thirst no more, neither shall the sun light on them or any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So uh, right there is what uh, James Melton, he would tell you that that is the same uh, resurrection as what we see in Revelation 20. And I will agree that is the same resurrection. But I also believe it is the same resurrection as 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to show you that here in a little bit. And this whole dividing it into parts, okay? Again, this is, it's pretty creative how they've come up with this. But I'm going to show you exactly where they are going wrong and where they are literally uh, debunking themselves. So let's go ahead and read a little bit more of this. Um, let me get it on the screen so you can see what's going on here. All right. So it says here, um, this means, so yeah, so because of the fact that the resurrection of Revelation 20 verse 4 and 714 includes the two other groups, the saints that arose in Matthew 27, 52 and 53, and the rapture of the church, this means that the first resurrection has three parts. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 points out two parts. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Then we learn from Paul's writing and from Revelation, they that are Christ at his coming comprise two groups, church saints and tribulation saints. Okay, now, here's my question. It says, then we learn later from Paul's writings and from Revelation that they that are Christ at his coming comprise two groups, church saints and tribulation saints. Where do we see that in Paul's writings? This is what, that's what I don't understand. He tells us that, but where is that? So this makes a total of three groups to take part in the first resurrection. Okay, so, first off, I don't know where he got this idea that Paul showed two groups. Where do we see that? He doesn't display that. Paul did not show two groups. Paul showed one group at his coming. He said we learn from Paul, and maybe what he's doing, he's saying we learn from Paul and from Revelation. So Paul shows the one group, but Revelation shows there's another group. Does Revelation show there's another group? Is there anything in Revelation that indicates that the resurrection of Revelation 7 and chapter 20 are different? No. In fact, he would say that they are the same. Why has he created another resurrection here? And I'll tell you why. Because without a doubt, the first resurrection happens after the mark of the beast. That's why he has to do that. Because well, we know Paul taught the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And I'm going to keep talking about that. I'll talk about that statement a little bit. We know Paul talked about the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. So when we see a group resurrecting who didn't take the mark of the beast and were killed for it, and they're included in the first resurrection, that force that then you have to have the parts. You have to have the stages. But it is not in Revelation. You cannot display. He does not display it in Revelation. He tells us that Paul does this. He does not show us where. I am curious. And James Melton, you've been mentioned on this program. That equals an invite onto the program. We'll talk about this. But where does Paul teach this idea of the two groups? Because it's not there. So let's go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
because I do believe that the doctrine of the resurrection is in parts. I do believe that. And he gave the verse for that. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Okay, so yes, two parts. But then what he does is he tells you, Paul showed two parts, but then Revelation and later in Paul's writings, I don't know where, we see two parts of that second part. And then what do they do? They go back to the harvest in the Old Testament where we have the first fruits, the main gatherings, and the gleanings. Okay? Now, the, the scriptures never use that as proof of anything. What Paul showed was Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ, it is coming. That's what the scriptures show us. That's what I believe. And, and, uh, but let, let's go ahead and go to, first let's go to Matthew chapter 27 that he keeps referring to because it doesn't say the Old Testament saints as the first fruits. Christ is the first fruits. And so what's he doing? In Matthew 27, and a lot of people believe this, and I don't really hate him for it. I just think it's dumb. But Matthew 27, verse 52, it says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now, mysterious passage. And it says, And they came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Fascinating passage of scripture. Who were they? How many were there? It just says many. doesn't say all the saints rose. Some people teach all the Old Testament saints rose with Christ. All they have is that. That's it. That's all they have. All it says many of the saints. Why didn't all of the saints rise? It just says many. And they went into Jerusalem and many saw them. What did they do in Jerusalem? You know, did, did they resurrect like Lazarus resurrected and then died again later? You know, did they, did they resurrect and then go to heaven with Christ at his ascension? I don't know. We can theorize. We can speculate. Here's a possibility too. Again, if we want to go back to those Old Testament symbolism and offerings and things, they did, they did have a first fruits offering that they would bring early on when they would receive the first fruit that they would go and offer up. And it was like a pledge showing to that they were going to bring the bigger offering at the main harvest. I'm not against using stuff like that to kind of teach principles and things. But here's what the Bible says, that Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. Now, he could have brought some saints with him. You know, he could have brought a random group of a few. He could have brought thousands. He could have brought 144,000. I don't know. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. How many do you think it was? Some think all. Some think some. Some think a few. I'll say I'll, my guess is as good as yours. I think it could have been 144,000. Guys we see come back later. I don't know. It's another subject for another day. Just a thought. Okay? Just a thought. I'm not going to build my doctrine around that thought, but, um, he's, he will, so he'll tell you that was the first fruits. That's his way of resurrect, having the stages in the different resurrections. So what, he, if he does, if he includes those old Testament saints as a part of the first resurrection, then it's not that weird. If he makes the next resurrection, you know, two different things, but no, Christ is the first fruits. And when Paul said that, here's, we're not without going through 1 Corinthians 15, it's so important that you understand this. The whole point of 1 Corinthians 15 
is Paul was calling out those who claim that there is no resurrection of the dead. He said, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? You cannot teach, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus rose from the dead and that we will not rise from the dead. Anyone who teaches or tries to just make the resurrection symbolic like some full preterists do, that's heresy. Hey, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? So what Paul is doing is he is showing how the doctrine of the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of believers, it's one doctrine. And so he divides it in two parts. Christ first fruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming. I do not believe the Old Testament saints all were resurrected and glorified and ascended to heaven at the first resurrection or at the resurrection of Christ. I don't believe that. Peter talked about how David, his sepulcher was there with him to that day and how he's not ascended into heaven. When he, when he referred to the prophecy that David did about Christ going to hell and yet rising and ascending to heaven, he said it, David wasn't talking about himself. He's, he's dead and buried in his sepulchers with us till this day. I think they would have known if David's sepulcher would have been opened. I think that it says something about that. But people just tell you that because it helps fit Larkin's crazy charts that he has. But it's not in the scripture. So again, the doctrine of the resurrection is in parts. Christ, he was the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ, not at the rapture of the church, at his coming. They want to keep calling it the rapture of the church versus the second coming. They want to divide it into two parts. Paul called it the coming of the Lord. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4 first. Because he keeps referring to 1 Thessalonians 4, which is for sure the resurrection. You know, you all know this, you, you all know this pack, passage frontwards and backwards. I'm not going to read all of it, but look what it says. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Guess what, dispensationalists? When Christ returns, he's coming with his saints. At the resurrection, he's coming with his saints. Stop saying you got to distinguish between Christ coming for his saints and coming with his saints. No, he's coming with his saints at the resurrection. Even though them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. What did he just call it there? Did he call it the pre-tribulation rapture of the church or did he call it the coming of the Lord? He called it the coming of the Lord. For the Lord himself should ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That is the resurrection. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up with those who are resurrected at the coming of Christ, at the coming of our Lord, at his coming with all his saints, as it is stated in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Stop saying distinguish the difference between Christ coming for his saints and with his saints. No, he's coming at the coming of the Lord. He's coming with his saints. That's what it says right there. And, and what, what do you have people doing too? When you go to Revelation and you see him making war with the saints, what do they say? Well, that's about Jews. So Jesus, at the return of Christ, he's coming back with the Jews. 
I thought they got raptured after us, according to dispensational theology. They get raptured at the end. Uh, uh, you know, th- there, there's no consistency here. So we saw the language of 1 Thessalonians 4. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 that he keeps referring to, because this is where he debunks himself. 1 Corinthians 15, the, the resurrection chapter of the Bible. What does it say? Verse 51, behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That right there is the resurrection for sure. And even Melton would agree with that. But let's let's keep reading what happens at the resurrection for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, let me put the description on the screen, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, what did that just say? When this corruptible is put on incorruption, which is at the resurrection, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, where is that from? Uh, well, that would be, and I believe it's Isaiah 25 and verse 8. It says, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it should be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So notice that at the resurrection, that even Melton agrees is our resurrection, that is when the saying is brought to pass, death is swallowed up in victory. That is Isaiah 25, 8, where the Lord will wipe away tears from off all faces. And what's interesting, I claimed and I told you and I made dispensationalist head explode when I said Revelation 7 was our resurrection. When this multitude from all over the world, from every kindred and tongue appears before the throne, Melton will tell you these are tribulation saints. But no, this, these are just saints. They were ones who came out of great tribulation. But look at what it says after it has uh, in verse 16 or 17 for the lamb, which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Um, isn't that exactly what it said he would do in Isaiah 25? Isn't that what first Corinthians 15 says? Then that's going to will come to pass when this mortal puts on immortality. Folks, it's all the same resurrection. I know that drives you crazy. You know, dispensationalism teaches that rightly dividing is chopping everything up and making it into multiple things and having two peoples of God and two raptures and two resurrections and all these different things. That is not the case. The scriptures does not do that. When we actually use the terms that God's word uses, we see it's the same thing. It's the coming of the Lord. Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. And there is nothing in the scriptures to indicate those are two different events. Absolutely nothing. There's everything that te- that tells us it's the same event. But Larkin, but Clarence Larkin, what did, he he is the one who went 
and he he made his chart. He's the one who went and added these things to the scriptures. And James Melton, what does he do? He refer he refers to it. He uses this as evidence or proof. He's got the different uh, you know, raptures or or resurrections. You have Christ, the one there on the left. That would it's hard to see the letters. But notice you have, that's the resurrection of Christ. And then we've got a church representing the church age. And then we have the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And then we've got the seven-year tribulation period. And then we have the third part of the resurrection. But no, it's the same thing. It's the, it's the same resurrection. They have to force that extra resurrection in there because the first resurrection is in fact the resurrection of people it's the resurrection of people who were killed for not taking the mark of the beast that proves that the rapture happens or the resurrection happens after the mark of the beast and so what do they do notice how in his article he keeps referring to it as the pre-tribulation rapture of the church isn't it interesting how they say that these words are not in the Bible. The Bible does not use the term rapture of the church. Theologians constantly use that term, the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church, the rapture. Why don't you understand the rapture of the church? I've got a book by Ruckmanite. He literally has that. The rapture is just the rapture of the church is just that. The rapture of the church. What is that you don't understand about the rapture of the church? It's only the church that goes up in the rapture. So, so they've created a separate resurrection for the church rather than just the resurrection of the saints. We are going to go up with the Old Testament saints. They are still in their graves. They are still, their bodies are still dead, but they will be resurrected at the coming of Christ. Matthew 27 is not proof that all the saints arose. We see a lot of people rise again in the scriptures, especially in the gospels, but we all know, everybody would, everybody would agree Lazarus died again. Why couldn't these people have died again? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't tell you what happened, and neither can you. Here's what you can't do is you can't prove to me that all the Old Testament saints, you know, wrote, resurrected during that time and ascended to heaven. So that doesn't work. And again, in, in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 29, it says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us this day. Oh, well, his sepulcher doesn't mean his body was there. It said he's both dead and buried. He's dead and buried. Present tense. This is after what we saw in Matthew chapter 27. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit in his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. Neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Right? Because Jesus Christ, he is, he is the first begotten of the dead. Many people in the scriptures rose from the dead, but they were not glorified. Those same people who rose from the dead, they, um, for, for, they, uh, they didn't have the glorified body. They died again. They didn't receive the incorruptible body. So, you know, these things... They don't work. Okay. What we're seeing in what what we see in Matthew 27 does not prove a uh, a glorified resurrection. 
but I can't prove that it wasn't either. So either, either way you spin it, these are just desperate attempts to force a pre-tribulation rapture into their theology. And that is wrong. You cannot do that. And no amount of invoking of Larkin and using his charts is going to help with that. The scriptures teach us something different. The very scriptures he used prove something different. The only scripture I went to that he didn't go to, I mean, I used some verses before and after was Isaiah chapter 25 that 1 Corinthians 15 literally quoted. I went to an Old Testament scripture that 1 Corinthians literally quoted for us and just showing that connection between that and Revelation 7. So, sorry, James Melton, um, the resurrection, the resurrection is two parts. Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. That's it. Now, there is the great white throne judgment. There is that resurrection that we see after the thousand years. But the first resurrection, that's before that. It's before the thousand years. Those who go up in the first resurrection live and reign with Christ a thousand years. And it's just, it's disgusting the lengths people will go to to ignore the scriptures. That resurrection is specifically mentioned after the mark of the beast. And instead of just saying, you know what, our timeline's wrong, what do they do? Create another resurrection. So in reality, you know, he, he was right. You know, this it, we, this it has to be the first resurrection because it's called the first resurrection. So let's make it into parts. Well, the scripture doesn't do that. You did not display it from the scripture. You cannot display it from the scripture. The pre-tribulation rapture, dispensational truth, Clarence Larkin's charts, it's all a lie. It's all wrong. Revelation 4, or Revelation 7, Revelation 20, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15 are all uh, talking about the same resurrection. So with that, I hope this was a help and a blessing to you. And uh, James Melton, if you ever want to come on the show, send me an email contact me let me know and i'll give you the last word on that after we talk about these things and so with that appreciate everyone watching this god bless you we'll see you all next time